podcast is brought to you by Mobile Arts Programming. Hello, everybody. It's John. And I'm Wes. And we're coming back at you with another episode of Bittersweet Stories. But before we get to it, uh, we've just got a couple things we want to say. That's right. Yeah. So um, we've got uh, a great episode coming up with Pearl Fernandez. It's really awesome to speak with Pearl. Um, but we want to take this opportunity to say that the next episode that we're going to be releasing, we're actually going to delve uh, in greater detail into exactly what MAP does and what our music creation programming uh, covers. Yeah, we're going we're gonna to show a couple of examples of songs that we've done with past participants, talk a bit about um, those stories and a bit, about, uh, a bit more about us. And, and hopefully you as a listener can get a better sense of who we are and what we do. That's right. Yeah. But in the meantime, I don't know. What do you say? Should we do it? Let's do it. All right. Here we go. All right. I'm Wes. And I'm John. And welcome back to another episode of Bittersweet Stories. This is the podcast where we jump into the lives of frontline workers in various social service jobs as a way to kind of experience some of the highs and lows of that work. That's right. And it's always great to hear some stories uh, from the actual experiences from the front lines. And um, we are joined today with Pearl Fernandez. Awesome. Thank you so much, Pearl, for joining us. Yeah, it's great to have you. Thank you for having me. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So how we're going to get this conversation started is we just kind of want to know a bit about your background. Like uh, what were some of the first jobs you had in this line of work uh, in this field and, and what kind of prompted you to get into it in the first place? Oh, well, it's a little bit accidental, and yet I feel in a way it's kind of aligned with the stars, so to speak. But I actually have a degree in criminology and criminal justice, and my goal, or at the time, my plan was to kind of work with adults um, Mm -hmm. coming out of of prison um, who've been incarcerated for two years or more. So I wanted to work in parole services with Correction Canada. So after graduating, I decided, okay, you know what? It's really hard to get into the field, so let me start with some volunteering, going to Corrections Canada. Um, And in the process, I had a friend who kind of was like, hey, would you be interested in working in the correctional facility but with young offenders? And I was like, uh really my forte but Mm -hmm. you know what why not let me give it a try let me feel it out and and see how it goes and I was there started off as a part-time worker absolutely loved it and then I ended up taking on a full-time position however um four years later they actually shut down I'm not sure if you heard about York detention Mm, right um so they shut down and at that point I'm like you know what do I want to continue working in the correctional facility or mm-hmm. do I want to kind of branch out? I got a job at the school board. Mm-hmm. And then I decided, you know what, I'm going to go back to school and get my child and youth care right. diploma. Okay. And then I ended up at George Brown College and I got right. my diploma there. So that's how it kind of started. And then I continued on for right. quite different jobs in the field. Right. So why criminology in the first place? Well, actually, the story is... right. Jeffrey Dahmer. <laughs> okay, okay, right. Um, I don't know if you're aware of who he is. He was yeah. a serial killer back mm-hmm. in the day. And mm-hmm. just that whole nature versus nurture, mm. the psychology behind right. what happened in this <clears throat> in this person's life that mm-hmm. kind of led him to go on to kill that many people and what was going on for him. Right. So that really kind of piqued my interest in getting into the whole criminology, the forensic psychology, and really trying to understand human behavior mm. with the nurture versus nature. Sure. Mm-hmm. Um, and so I'm like, you know what? I kind of want to work with 
um, that population to find out what part of it is that nature versus the nurture part because he was actually a bit of an anomaly because they always talked about him having you know very minimal adversaries when he was growing up like he didn't have this violent grow Mm -hmm. like childhood and he wasn't a bit right right and yet he turned out to be extremely charming Mm -hmm. um and a sociopath to a certain extent right so it was just really kind of intrigued me so that's what got me into that field very interesting yeah and like rightly so you know i mean like as it's a pretty astute observation for you to make to sort of see this one individual and sort of be able to see the depth with which like this person has uh comported themselves like before and after during this whole process you know Mm -hmm. for you to be like that's interesting i kind of want to learn more about that right right and so that would have been why as an example i guess because he was obviously an adult so you had that vantage point going into it like i kind of want to learn you wouldn't you weren't even really thinking about youth at all at that time right not even by accident and and even through the schooling as well like you weren't at any time like i'm sure you would have probably touched upon it in your studies Mm -hmm. but even at that time you were still not like like when you were learning in school and you're learning about like these various sort of, um, I'm sure you had like case the studies crime and, and things like that. And yeah. things like that. Yeah. It was always around adults. Yeah. Okay. Always around adults. And then after working at York is when I'm like, oh my God, we can actually catch them when they're young. Yeah. And that's the thing, Maybe right? make a difference, yeah. right? Okay. Yeah. And that's what kind of really kind of changed my trajectory to go into hmm. more, okay, you know what? Maybe I do want to work with youth. And then mm-hmm. I came back and I decided to get my diploma in child and youth care and then from there, it was just I worked at a day treatment program. I worked at SLAPS Youth Center. Mm-hmm. So okay. I, I kind of ended up back in corrections right. in a way. Right. Yeah. Um, because is- I'm not sure if you're aware, but SLAPS Youth Center is a it's custody treatment. Um, uh, it's a center for youth who are not, who are in custody or in a treatment plan, but they're not responsible for their crimes because mm-hmm. of their mental health. Okay. Mm-hmm. okay. So that's another thing. I'm like, oh, I would never work with kids with mental health. But mm-hmm. then I ended up working right. for one of two of the largest mental health agencies in Ontario. Right. Peel yeah. Children's Center as a crisis worker and then Salaps right. as a youth or as a youth worker over there. Huh. So So interesting how it sort of yeah. ended up just like in its own way falling into your lap and you mm-hmm. just like fully embracing it and being like, actually this is this is pretty amazing. And yeah. yet yet it seems like you're at the same time, you've been following like your your passions and you know trusting your gut and trusting your heart and kind of where that leads you to, right? Yeah. Absolutely. I mean, absolutely. I like I said, there was never a plan, and that just kind of showed me you can plan all you want, but once you're in the field and you actually get your hands in there and you can you can see the impact mm. you can have. In my in the years that I've worked in the field, I've right. had many opportunities to hear about young people that have gone on to do really right. be really successful but then I also hear those stories where they weren't so successful or right. they died to gang violence mm-hmm. and things like that so yeah. it kind of it's kind of bittersweet but yeah. knowing that you know you can you can impact a life like that I think that right. that really kind of drove my passion I right. think yeah. and you know, you know what I think is interesting as well is like although initially <laughs> you sort of had that vantage point of wanting to work with adults I think what we're always reminded of is although these youth like have only been living for whatever 10 years 12 years 14 16 whatever that a lot of them have encountered such heavy circumstances that Mm -hmm. it just makes them adult like you know they've had to have they've had such heavy things dealt to them that in in traumas Mm -hmm. exactly Mm -hmm. that in a way it's sort of unfortunately forced them out of that 
otherwise kind of like youthful sort of like perspective on life or you're kind of like happy go lucky. So it's kind of interesting how you are, you're dealing with youth, but the nature of the work is still such that it almost has that like adult like tone to it in a way. Right. They're wise beyond the years. That's sort of what I was, yeah. 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 Some of the trauma that some of the young people have dealt with are horrific. Yeah. Um, Mm -hmm. And to see them still, strive and be ambitious and mm. want to make changes and be the way they are just so resilient yeah. mm. it's it's fascinating to yeah. me right yeah. to, to be get, to be dealt a really shitty hand mm-hmm. so to speak mm-hmm. and still come out on top yeah speaks volumes and to me that's fascinating if i can be part of that story right mm. why not yeah exactly. of course yeah. yeah and that's also interesting because like that's sort of the theme of this podcast and as you just kind of highlighted just like well you did use the word bittersweet Mm -hmm. which is perfect (laughs) um but also just like yeah as you're there and you're in the process it's it's very much like those positive highs that are unfortunately like married with those like sort Mm -hmm. of more negative lows and that just sort of becomes a part of the process right like it's kind of the nature of the beast i think right right? it's um I mean, you have a great day at work, you have a good day at work, and then you mm-hmm. have a really shitty day at work when yeah. you find out that, of course, you know, when you've been in the field long enough, it hasn't happened often, thank God. But uh, right before I came to teach in the child and youth care program, um, one of my one of the young people I worked with, you know, died by suicide, mm-hmm. and okay. and it was a moment of wow, mm-hmm. like you hear about it, you mm-hmm. hear that it happens, mm-hmm. it's part of the. You know, part of the process, nature of the beast, but when it actually happens, it really kind of hits home and you're like, right. whoa, mm-hmm. right? What a way for me to kind of, I swore that, I, you know, it would never happen on my watch. Right. You know, you yeah. get you get a little arrogant in that yeah, part. Like, course. no, it would never happen on my watch. Like, I, I keep a watch on these kids, but mm-hmm. sometimes you don't have the capacity to do that. No. And so there's that bitter mm. in terms of, you know, or hearing, oh, you remember that kid? Yeah, he's mm-hmm. in now for life for you know, murder times two, or yeah. remember that kid? He got shot yeah. by, you know, in gang violence. So when you hear those, those are the really bitter, sad it's, parts. It's tough yeah. to manage those emotions, like as a worker, right? Of course. Um, I mean, there's so much work you yeah. have to do for yeah. yourself. Yeah. yeah, and so, like, what does that look like for you? Like, that kind of self-care sort of um, uh, lifestyle? I mean, it's something that is not done enough, I don't mm. think. Um, I think self-awareness is a really big piece in this work mm. and the line that you do in anything in life. Yeah, right. Right? Um, right? In order to grow, I think you need to be aware of what you are lacking in order to grow. Mm-hmm. But especially in this field when you can impact so many different lives and not just the young person you work with, but anyone even connected to that young person. Right. Uh, and what you bring to the table. If I'm broken mm-hmm. myself, mm-hmm. Um, I can't really try and support the family to fix because I don't fix them. Right. I support the families right. in fixing themselves, of right? Course, right. Yeah. Um, and create that space for them to feel empowered. But um, I can't do that. It's just like that whole, and everyone's heard about this analogy on the airplane, right? Mm. Like the first thing they say to you is put on the mask on yourself before mm-hmm. you put on the mask on a person beside you. Because mm-hmm. if you're out, who's going to help the child? Exactly. Yeah. Right? So I think that, that self-care is really important and taking the time to be mindful of, wait, this is really you know, this conversation with this young person is really triggering me and mm. what's that about? Right. Yeah, and understanding your own triggers, yeah. Absolutely, mm-hmm. because yeah. if I'm freaking out and this kid's freaking out, then who's doing the supporting yeah. here, right? Of right. course. So yeah. number one rule when I started working as a crisis worker, because we connected with clients anytime there was a crisis. Right. So I was always told by a coworker and 
number one rule for a crisis worker is don't go into crisis. Right. Right. Mm-hmm. I got to stay calm in order for for me to support my client in the most mm-hmm. efficient way. Right? Yeah. A young person. I don't like mm-hmm. saying client. Yeah. But right. Right. Yeah. yeah. It is interesting where you really do have to sort of condition and, and train yourself mm-hmm. that, you know, when that shit hits the fan, that uh, at least even in, on the inside, if you're like, oh, no, here we go. Oh, yeah. Outside, you're like, okay. Yeah. Mm-hmm. That calm, right. cool, collected face. Mm-hmm. Here's how we're going to do this. You know? Yeah. And yeah. it's like, it's really, really interesting how you sort of have to suspend that instinctual response right. to uh, some of those more like unruly situations. Yeah. Um, but I always laugh. I've, I've heard a few people that I've worked with in the past say like, especially if I've seen them you know, while working, like seeing them in a situation where like they're going through something mm-hmm. and afterwards I'll be like, wow, like you handled that really well. Like that was awesome. Like, great. Cause on the inside I was yeah. going, oh no, oh no, oh no. <laughs> you know, like, my mind, yeah. yeah. Um, of course, but exactly yeah. to your point, right. It's just like that idea that, um, if you are, t- if you are attempting to provide any sort of help or care or anything mm-hmm. like that, if, if, if you yourself are not there, mm-hmm. then how could you possibly convey that to somebody else, right? Of if course. it's not there within yourself, yeah, it's a very important, very important part of the work for sure. Mm. Absolutely, but even that that moment of oh no, oh no, oh no, like I think after being in the field for over 10, 15 years, mm-hmm. I think that I was able to develop the ability to mask it. But mm. I mean, initially starting in the field, I was like oh no, oh no, oh no, and it's okay. That's yeah. part yeah. of the process. Yeah. And I'm so happy you just said that. Yeah. <laughs> and it, but it allows that young person to see you in a humanistic of course. way that, you know, I'm not superwoman over yeah. here. I'm not yeah. going to come and rescue you and mm-hmm. save you. I'm going to have really shitty days, but it's all about how I then say to them, you know what, what you told me really freaked me out and I'm sorry mm-hmm. that that freaked me out, but right. I needed a minute. You're also role modeling exactly. for that exactly. child to let him see, hey, she may have messed up, but look at how she turned it around and owned it and yep. took accountability to say, you know what? I've made some wrong decisions with, mm-hmm. with young people. And I said mm-hmm. to them, you know what? I kind of kind of messed up. I'm not, I should not have said that to you. I apologize. But there's a lesson in that for mm-hmm. them. Yeah. And it's okay to make mistakes as long as you own it and then be able to be the bigger person to apologize, right? And Absolutely. Kind of, yeah, exactly. Yeah. Like it's it's totally okay to feel overwhelmed. Yeah, oh, for sure. You yeah. know? And, yeah. it's, and, and it's how you you react to that yourself in, in your own emotions and your own yeah. your own state right that yeah. uh you like like you just said really role models for mm-hmm. the people you work with i always say you know teaching in the in this in this program in the child and new care program i always tell my students don't ever forget when you're interacting with a kid you and the kid are not the only ones interacting you have 10 other kids mm-hmm. observing you mm-hmm. and watching mm-hmm. how you deal with that kid that just spat in your face. Mm-hmm. Right. You know, how did you deal with that kid just punching you in the face? Mm-hmm. Yeah. And and how did you respond in a way mm-hmm. that can be role modeled for them? Right. Mm-hmm. Right. So I, I tell them never to forget that. Right. Yeah. So. It's important. It's, it's such a key mm-hmm. element to just uh, to to building those relationships. And yeah. I think also really uh, ideally um, fostering that notion of trust and kind of respect. Right. Like, mm-hmm. again, if you if 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 a youth sees you in a very like responding in a very human-like way a very mm-hmm. natural kind of a way mm-hmm. it breaks down that notion of you as like an authority to right. be listened to me and they're like right they encounter that stuff too and and it's relatable yeah mm-hmm. it's relatable yeah. right mm-hmm. and it's like i think that whether consciously or not you know that's going to kind of get filed away in their brain and mm-hmm. then you know hopefully that does like facilitate and kind of garner that like relationship building and respect and trust and everything like that we hope so we hope we so that's hope right so. yeah yeah <laughs> yeah um so how about you did uh, a moment ago touched upon like sort of 
some of the heavier sides of what you'd encountered. Um, just as you said, like Mm -hmm. individuals who may have, um, with suicide or been, been shot or anything Mm -hmm. like that. But, uh, what about something positive, some, some sort of highs that you, that sort of jump out in your brain when you think back in your, well, so many high points, right? Amazing. I mean, I, I mm-hmm. mentioned two really low points because we talked about how low it can be, but so many high points. Like right. even being out, just walking down the street downtown Toronto and having a youth being like, Miss Fernandez? And I'm like, right. uh-oh. <laughs> Am I in trouble? No one, <laughs> no one yeah. calls me Fernandez because yeah. in, in corrections, that's the culture. They call you by your last name. Right. So when I'm hearing someone say Fernandez, it's like it's mm. either a staff or a kid I've worked with. So I turn around and... It was one of the youth that I worked with, and it was like 10 years ago. And I'm like, oh, my mm-hmm. God, how are you? He's like, I'm great. He went to college. He has a baby now. Wow. He's doing well, right? So then, And, and, and that was one of the kids that we thought about, oh, uh, you know, really mm-hmm. rough okay. childhood. Okay. Mm-hmm. A lot of a lot of barriers for this right. kid. And yet here he is. Um, I think he was working in construction, and he right. had gone to college, and he had a baby girl. And, and so I see that. I'm like, oh, my God. And he's like, you know, miss, the one thing I remember about you, because um, something had happened, and he was sitting in his cell, and, and, and he was in trouble because he mm-hmm. created a lot of havoc in court that day. Um, and I remember coming and being like, what happened? As opposed to, why did you do that? Mm-hmm. Right. right? Mm-hmm. And you just sitting there. And I remember sitting on the floor with him. Mm-hmm. I didn't even remember, but I remember yeah. I used to do that with a lot of kids. Sure, sure. But he remembered that. Right. And he's like, you know, miss, you're the only one who actually sat there mm-hmm. and, and, and just listened to what happened that day right. at court. Everybody else was like, why would you do that? Your level's dropped. And this. Right. So, and, and in the moment, I didn't even think anything of it. It was instinctual. Right. It was, yeah, it yeah. was just, it's what you do, right? You, you find out what happened. Yeah, you don't of course. blame, right? Of course. Um, it's such a basic skill that you need in this field. And it, it I would never have thought, but he remembered that about me. And I didn't right. even remember that aspect, right? So yeah. it's those. And a couple of stories here and there, it's like, hey, you know, hey, Miss Fernandez, do you remember me? And I'm like, oh, my God, <laughs> how are you, right? Yeah, right. Or, yeah. So, I mean, those are the moments where you think back and you're like, okay, you know what, maybe maybe I had an impact. Yeah, right? yeah. yeah well, it kind of keeps you humble too. That's amazing. And that's like, even like we were saying a moment ago where that notion of sort of breaking down you as an authority, and, mm-hmm. but instead mm-hmm. you presenting yourself as like, no, I'm genuinely curious yeah. to know and how it did actually have this like lasting impact on this person, right? For right. them to come back to you however many years later mm-hmm. and say, not only am I in this spot now where like things are on the up and up mm-hmm. and I can point to a few things that like convey that, but also I remember you doing that, right. you know, like that's, that's pretty amazing. It's powerful. Yeah. It's mm-hmm. very powerful. It felt good for me. It felt really good. I was like, okay. And is that something where, cause I would, I would only assume that that's just sort of this un- uncanny response. You sort of see this face and once you re- remember who they are, you probably have this like whirlwind of thoughts to be like, oh my gosh, now I remember like you were doing this and you were yeah. doing this and now you're telling me you got a kid and yeah. right. Hmm. And like, I'm curious to know, so you saw each other, you said on the street, right? Yeah. You're walking on the street. So then once you parted ways, what was your response? Were you kind of like, did it make you like, like burst out of tears where you're mm. like, yes, like, or, well, I was or, actually with a coworker at the time. So I was like, who we were co-workers at York Detention and right. we became friends after. Okay. So it was actually her and myself and we were like, what just happened? Like, right. <laughs> that was crazy. <laughs> like, how did you remember? Yeah. yeah, how yeah. how did he remember you? I'm like, I have no idea. 
Wow. Like, but and, again, and that's it's the just, thing, though, eh? Like, it's just these little tiny moments where it's you. You seem so genuine in that moment, and mm-hmm. that's what he needed at that, that time, right? That's it. Yeah. yeah. And it wasn't some crazy clinical intervention. No. Yeah. It wasn't CBT or right. DBT. It was what happened, man. Yeah. That's mm-hmm. all I said is mm-hmm. what the heck happened mm-hmm. in court. He's like, well, mm-hmm. and then he and then just that process of just bitching about it or venting yeah. about it. Yep was healing but all i asked was what the hell happened at court today Mm -hmm. like what were you thinking when that happened like what happened right but also i think within that too is you know that's a testament to you being genuinely Mm. engaged and curious and i would imagine as well like a reflection of like um your like ability to listen right yeah you know so i think that even even though you're sort of um you're sort of putting your ego aside by saying, oh, all I did was sit down. For sure, there would have been a lot more going mm-hmm. into that as right. well, right? And so... Mm-hmm. I would, I'd be, well, yeah, I hope so. You're right. Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah. It's just, and to it's, me, I don't... Of course, yeah. yeah. It's like more of those like subliminal kind of like... Um, those sort of like unconscious aspects of those interactions that they get registered, whether or not like it's 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 noted consciously or or anything like that. Like that's all a big part of it, right? Even just right. your body language and mm-hmm. your overall demeanor, things yeah. like that. You're not the person going in like... Well, you messed up today, so here's what here's <laughs> yeah. all the aspects of why you're in trouble and what's going to happen from that. You know, you're like, man, what's going on, right? Which is kind of the nature when you're in corrections. That's why I left corrections. Right. Okay. And I'm like, I'd rather work with them before they go to jail yeah. <laughs> as opposed to after. Yeah. So that's just the mentality. But I think it's changing. It's definitely been a shift. It's yeah. more of that rehabilitative approach as opposed mm. to a punitive one. I think it's made significant strides, a lot more work to do, but... That's, that's what where would you like to see it go oh god work do you have another 20 minutes <laughs> <laughs> um well in an ideal world mm-hmm. i would like to see a lot more funding going into more preventative programs right, as opposed to more reactive and you know this is the kind of society we live in we don't want to invest in something that potentially could be better right. we wanted to see results yesterday yeah, yeah. right we're yeah. such a reactive society we want the band-aid service right now but mm-hmm. if we just kind of stop to take off the band-aid and really work at the root of the matter right. which is more preventative programs for families mm-hmm. more programs for youth who are engaged in in gang violence right. why are they going there because they're lacking the belonging and mm-hmm. right so it's it's so it's so complex and mm-hmm. yet yeah. I feel like if we just, because there is the money for it. Mm-hmm. I, I believe that there's a lot of money for it. It's just it's not being distributed appropriately, right? Right, right. Yeah. So I think that maybe in more preventative programs That makes be. sense. It's sort of like instead of saying, okay, well, we're going to spend money f- for the Band-Aid that we need, asking, mm-hmm. well, how did this injury happen in the first place, right? right. Like, yeah. why right. is it that you're cut? Why mm-hmm. is it that we need to put a Band-Aid on? It's sort of what mm-hmm. you're saying, right? Like, yeah, let's work on, like, the things that sort of precipitate to these points. Where, Absolutely. Yeah. And how do we change that lens from it being, why did you do that, to what happened that mm. you had to respond in that way, yeah. yes. which was maladaptive? Yeah, yeah. Because right? that's what that's how they've coped and survived of course. to mm-hmm. this point is just in a very maladaptive way. Yeah. So really using that really like trauma-informed, of course. a really mm-hmm. trauma-informed lens is something that we have to develop. But yeah. that's too, you know warm and fuzzy for, of course, for right. our system. <laughs> but but maybe there will be a way that, you know, um, the wording and also through practice as well, mm-hmm. that if, if it happens enough and more people sort of start to like live and breathe that approach, that um, it will help facilitate that change more towards those things. Because it doesn't have to be like warm and fuzzy. You could be like, hey, there's a better way to do this job. Mm-hmm. Yep. Here's how. 
And especially the more you do it, the more you can point to like studies to be like, oh, you know, this facility has done this for the past 10 years. And here's the data that comes from that. Now we know for sure that these approaches are more effective than ones that just sort of reprimand an individual and throw right. them throw them in a in their cell or whatever and say mm-hmm. you know right. you're in trouble like that's it you know yeah. as opposed to asking right hmm, what circumstances have led this individual to these mm-hmm. actions right and these and reactions. how can we support them at that point before yeah having to lock them away yeah right? exactly. like yeah. well one of the one of the points of the podcast is to raise awareness for some of these issues and pearl it was so great to have a conversation with you and and thank you so much for your time and uh We hope we see you again soon. Yeah. Yeah. Thank you so much for having me. Thank you. Yeah. Yeah. And thanks for listening and, and stay tuned for another episode of Bittersweet Stories. That's right.